Yes, praise the Lord. Real excited to begin the series of messages with you. Five, maybe six sermons. See how the Lord leads us as we're calling it um, uh, winning the battle in your mind. Uh, today's message is entitled Everybody's Battle, Everyone's Battle. And before I forget, let me just say to again, uh, guest, my wife and I would love to meet you. If you're a first time guest, we have a gift for you. We meet in the coffee shop. Uh, God blesses us every Sunday. We have many, multiple guests come through. And we have a nice uh, gift for you, and so we'd love to give it to you and just take a moment and greet you and say hello to you. And so uh, we would uh, invite you to come see us here in just a, just a few minutes, maybe few, maybe more, maybe less. We'll see how the Lord leads us in this message, Everybody's Battle. Um, I began the series with, uh, with more of a personal uh, dimension uh, to this uh, message. I know as a pastor, you... There's a fine balance between um, sharing too much and sharing too little about yourself. Uh, I love Adrian Rogers, a wonderful pastor of another year, said, you know, pastor, don't be afraid to be vulnerable before your people and share uh, from your heart what you're going through and what you're experiencing because you'll find that many other people are experiencing and going through uh, the, very, uh, the very same thing. Uh, many of you, uh, like me, uh, you fight. You fight these battles uh, the battle of your mind, the battle of your heart. Uh, some you win, some you lose. Uh, some of you, even this morning as I speak to you, you are gripped, you're dealing with fear and anxiety, uh, discouragement. Some even uh, succumb to the, the monster of depression. Um, you know, it's interesting how many people have spoken to me uh, and told me how excited they are that, that I'll actually be preaching these messages. Um, you know, I shared that statistic last week that before COVID-19, one out of five people uh, was struggling with uh, discouragement and anxiety and mental, really mental illness, and now it's one out of every two. And so I have enjoyed so much the reading, the preparation, the study. Um, just about finished with Craig Rochelle's book, uh, Winning the War uh, in Your Mind. It's a, it's a wonderful book. I, I would highly recommend it to you. Let me say this, though. I'm, I'm reading lots of books and recommend um, you know, the, the only thing I recommend unequivocally without any question is this book, okay? This, this is the book of all books. Uh, but God has gifted people and, um, and given them great wisdom and insight into these things that we're going to be talking about. And so I'll mention a book, and if I, if I do, you may want to grab it and read it. And like I always like to say, you know, swallow the meat and spit out the bones, okay? But again, when you come to this book, there ain't no bones, all right? It's just meat. And so as you meditate on it, memorize it, internalize it, uh, it, will, it will bless you greatly. Um, I mentioned Craig uh, Groeschel. He, he has an interesting story. I will um, share a little bit about his story with you before I show his picture on the, on the, on the screen behind me. And I'm going to do this for a reason. Uh, Craig Rochelle, uh, he started out feeling God's call upon his life uh, to be a pastor. And sure enough, he, he pursued that call. And he said he just ran into so many hurdles and obstacles in his life. And he said there are two in particular that he's had to really overcome. And all of us have to overcome obstacles and battles. And it usually stems from the curse of words. Somebody that was influential in our life. Maybe it was a mom or a dad, and maybe a school teacher, a coach. For me, it was my dad and my high school coach. And I don't know who it was for you, but they spoke curses over my life. Now, not 
curse words like expletives. No, I'm talking about things that are far more nefarious and sinister than that. And when they say things like, you're dumb and you'll never be as smart as your brother. Why, don't you, why aren't you as smart as your brother? Those were words actually spoken over my life multiple times, many times. And my brother is smart. I mean, he is, he's one of the smartest people that I know, and I, I just love him so much. I could never be him. Uh, I'm the doctor in the group. He's the one that should be the doctor. I mean, he has got so, and my dad would, would compare us and beat us almost unmercifully. I mean, child abuse, I mean, beat the crap out of you, literally. And I, I was raised in that with alcohol. So that's why I hate alcohol. I mean, so much alcohol in our family and depression and violence and child abuse. Calling, had to talk my aunt off the ledge of calling the police to have my dad arrested. That, that was my life. And, and many of you have experienced that and far worse. But I'm telling you, the, the greatest beatings that happened were the beatings of my soul. That the words that were spoken over me, like so many have had words spoken over you, and you know those words, and they hurt. And Craig Groeschel said he had a grandmother. And she told him, she said, look, I went through the Great Depression. You're gonna go through a Great Depression. So whatever you do, save all the money you can and be as frugal and as stingy as you can. And he's like, okay, yes, grandmama, yes. And he grew up just so concerned and consumed with money. He said, I just couldn't make enough because I was fearful. I was going to lose it all. The stock market's going to crash any moment. And so he took his daughter out for a dinner. She's like nine years of age. And, and he goes, honey, order anything on the menu that, that you want. And she started crying. And he goes, honey, why are you crying? And she said, dad, I know how you are about money. And if I order that, it's going to cost too much. And he said, I knew then, uh, this is way overblown. I've got to get a grip on this. But the, the hardest thing he said he ever went through, though, is when he was, um, he, he grew up being told he wasn't enough, he was not adequate, he would never amount to anything. And I'm laughing because he felt God's call to the ministry. And by the way, ministry is not something you go to if you're looking for self-esteem. <laughs> If you're, if you're looking to be built up and encouraged, don't go into the ministry because you're going to get a lot of enemies, especially the, the enemy of your soul. But he said, you know, I really feel like God's calling me to the ministry. And so he said, I, I taught my first message. And after I taught my first message, he said, I had, um, I had these people come up to me and they said, hey, uh, nice try. He said, no, you mean nice try. I'm doing what God's called me to do. And then he actually preached his first sermon and people came up to him afterward and they literally said, Craig, look, you, you've got a lot of gifts. Your dad was a base, professional baseball player. Maybe you ought to pursue sports or something like that because ministry is not for you. That's not for you. And he, he said, I just began to get discouraged and all those feelings of inadequacy and that I'm not enough. He said, they just became overwhelming to me. He said, but that wasn't the worst of it. He said, I got married. I finished college. I went to seminary. Halfway through my seminary, I, became, I, I came to the ordination council. And he said, as I went to the ordination council, they questioned me and they asked me questions. And, and he said, I thought I was doing pretty good. And then they called me back in the room and they said, you failed. We decline your ordination. Uh, we, we just don't think you've got what it takes. That's what they said. He got in his car and he, he drove and he said, I just began to weep. And he said, I'm, I'm married. 
I finished college, I'm going to seminary, and the people who are supposed to affirm me and encourage me, they, aren't, they not only said you, you didn't pass your ordination, but they said you're never going to really be a pastor. The reason I say that is today, that guy pastors the largest church in America. And I'm gonna show you his picture, because you're gonna think, well, Tom Cruise is a pastor. That's not Tom Cruise. That's one nice looking dude, you know what? That's Craig Groeschel. He only has 100,000 people in his church. Uh, he pastors in Oklahoma, but he has 35 congregations throughout America where they do the, the, the satellite live feeds. And the reason I share his story, and the reason I'm sharing my story, is if God can help him, me, God can help anybody, God can help you. God can help you overcome uh, the curse uh, of words, things said, can I just say it, things done to you, against you, violated you. There's really only one power that can overcome that, and that's the power of God. And God's power has been fleshed out for us in the person of his son, Jesus. And it's been written out for us in the Holy Bible. And so as I walk you through these next five or six weeks, you'll hear a lot of scripture. Um, you'll hear my story, but more importantly than my story, you'll hear the story uh, of the word of God and how it will, I promise you, it will help you and set you free. Number one, I have been there too, and that's, um, and that's where many of you are. Um, and I will, I'll share this with you throughout this series. And um, I, I say I, I have been there and, and I, I am there. I have good days and bad uh, in my struggle with mental illness. People have written articles on me, done interviews on me. And uh, I guess I'm a case study because they say, well, you battle with this and yet you're still able to pastor a church. How do you do this? And it's the power of God and a great wife and many of you who encourage me. That's how I do it. Um, you know, I saw a, a big poster this morning, a, a, a graphic on uh, 183 heading south. It says, child abuse damages the brain. I don't know if y'all have seen that. It's, it's right out there on 183. It says, child abuse really damages your brain. It impacts your brain. And by the way, I differentiate between the brain and the mind, okay? The brain is that... By the way, I'm learning so much about the brain. Words, prefrontal cortex, uh, amygdala. Am I saying it, Dr. Murray? I mean, you got uh, the cerebrum. You got all this. The brain, it has no feeling. You, you were to touch your brain. I had a friend of mine had brain cancer. They did surgery, and they woke him up during the middle of brain surgery while they were touching his brain because your brain has no feeling, but your mind does, right? Your mind is that. That's who you are. Um, of course, I know it's interconnected with the brain. That fit. One is animate and one is inanimate. Uh, the inanimate uh, would be your brain. The animated is your mind. Uh, many of you walk through this as, as I do. A couple weeks ago, I walked through this before you, and many of you have been very gracious to me and very kind. Is, I just had a bad day. You say, you have bad days? Sound like you have a bad life. No, I really don't have a bad life. I just have bad days. On that particular Sunday, uh, one of my best friends had just left the church. 
And I knew they had left and they weren't coming back because they moved. I've about forgiven them of that, but it's okay. That's another story. They're here today. God bless them. That was just hard. You don't, you just don't get over that, but you're one of your best friends. And then I buried one of my best friends the day before that. And then it was the same Sunday that Terry Hurt was no longer with us. And so, and I'm taking on Terry's responsibilities in addition to being your lead pastor, the teaching pastor up there, the interim executive pastor, the interim administrative pastor, and uh, the president of my ministry. And then a very difficult critic in our church uh, criticized me very, very harshly, and that was just a couple of weeks prior to all of that happened, and I just had a hard time on that Sunday. And so I wish I had known then, just a few weeks ago, what I know about now. And so I want to I wanna walk with you. One, the first things I want to tell you is this, is God created you, God created me, and we are absolutely unique, and that God loves us. God has prized us so much that he died for us. And I want you to remember this verse. This is a great verse. For you have formed my inward parts, God says. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I'm reading Psalm 139. It should come up here any moment, verses 13 and 14. I will praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows this very well. I will praise you for I'm what? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are God's works. You are a marvelous work of God. God crafted you. God created you. God created me. God threw away the mold once he created us and crafted us because there is no RNA, DNA quite like ours. There is no uh, thumbprint, fingerprint quite like ours. We are unique in all of our eccentricities, all of our oddness and our weirdness and our giftedness and our amazingness. We are the creation of God and we ought to remember that. Second thing I want to share with you, and this is kind of a strange way to put it, point number two is I could not wait to show you this. <laughs> I've never, in all my years of preaching, I had never had a point that said, I could not wait to show you this. And this is Isaiah chapter 26, verses three and four. Mercy. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Ashley. I know this is one of the verses you pray over my life, and I'm so grateful to God for it. I'm going to read it to you. I've memorized it. It's become, it's really almost become my life verse. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Who's what? His mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. I want to walk you through this verse, and this is my main verse for today. And you'll probably find that in this series of sermons, I will share lots of stories and practical things, but there will be a place like right now, which is my favorite part of the sermon because it's where I get to get all geeky on you and get to study the Hebrew and to get in the, the nuts and the bolts and the nutrients of God's Word because I really do believe that our hope, um, that our greatest arsenal is the Word of God. Now, you expect me to say that, but I am telling you the ever-loving, everlasting truth. When you have the Bible hidden in your heart, 
and you can bring it to memory and speak it, God will work miracles. I mean miracles in your life. And I'm gonna go ahead and ask you if you would do this. Would you go ahead and commit to memory uh, this passage of scripture, Isaiah 26, three and four. God, you keep us in perfect peace. Here's the part I couldn't wait to share with you. In the Hebrew, it literally reads, you will keep him in shalom, shalom. In English, we, we don't know what to do with that. So we translate the Hebrew with uh, complete or, or perfect or amazing. We have all these adjectives. We don't know how to describe the word shalom. And Isaiah uses it back to back. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. If you notice that, Isaiah tells us that the completed or the end part before he tells us how we can actually get to the part. And I love that and intrigued me because that's what I want. That's what you want. All of us want peace, right? I mean, you can have everything else, just give me peace. <laughs> you, you can have, really, you can have everything. And I, I just want peace. Peace of heart, peace of mind. And the Bible says God will keep us. Now, not sporadically or every now and then, God will literally allow us to live in a state of habitual, perpetual, ongoing peace. Peace. You said that is way too good to be true, but it is true. The word shalom literally means all-embracing tranquility, peace of God. That's, that's the best. Now, all my research and study, that's the best I can come up with. This all-embracing tranquility, the peace of God, our minds will experience that. Yes, sir, is the, is the, is the Hebrew word for mind and it means your, your mindset, your way of looking at life. Y'all, our minds can be our greatest asset and they can be our greatest enemy. Let, let me just give you a quiz. Does anybody else like this? You can just be cruising through your day and you'll have a thought, a trigger, right? And, and it's triggered something that somebody said something to you in the past or something happened to you in the past and your mind goes crazy, your mind starts creating these scenarios. Are y'all watching? Your mind starts creating these scenarios. And the next thing you know, the simple one thing that happened here, you have extrapolated it to you're, you're about to die of cancer. You know what I'm saying? It's the most bizarre thing in the world. Somebody just says one little thing to you or one thing happens to you and then it triggers in your mind. And the next thing you know, oh my goodness, you have created... Am I just really strange? Anybody else do that? Well, everybody's hand went up. That's pretty amazing because we do that. And, and, the, and the Bible says, look, you don't have to do that. God will allow you and me to be in perfect shalom. Our minds, when they are, and here it comes, when they are stayed. I love that. Samak is the Hebrew word. It means to be made resolved, to be undeviating. It means to be unflinching. It means to be firm. So, Put it together. God, you keep us in perfect peace when our mind, this mighty, amazing, complex entity that God has created, when it is stayed, when it is undeviating on you. Here's the image, the mental image God gave me of a boat that is in the midst of the, of the roaring sea. And that boat, its anchor has dropped and it has hit the ground and you are Samak. 
you are stabilized, you are undeviating. And that is the word of God. That is the promises of God. When you and I, when all the temptations and all the whirlwinds that are happening in our mind and we want to go there and we want to worry, we want to be discouraged, we want to be depressed. We, you, some of you have suicidal thoughts. Why? Because your anchor is lifted. You pulled the anchor up and, and now you're just kind of floating. But when you drop that anchor, the word of God goes deep, down deep. It comes into your soul and you meditate on it. You have peace. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'm preaching way better than I, than I ever had, could have imagined or known. You know why? Because I'm finally realizing this. It's finally just coming to light, you know, that yes, God's word. And so whenever, over the last several weeks, whenever the triggers happen, y'all got triggers, right? And when the enemy releases that trigger, my mind, I got a, I got a jacked up mind. I got a wacky mind. I mean, my mind is just all over the place. Even right now, it's a miracle of God that I preach a sermon. God, I'm seeing two people over here. I'm seeing this person wave his hand over here. I see everything. I'm weird. I see everything. I hear everything. And for God to allow me to do what I do is a miracle of God. Now, I'm serious. You will keep us, God, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And here it comes because he what? He trusts in you. Did you notice in verse 4 he uses it twice? He says, Batu is the, is the Hebrew word because you're confident in God. And then it says, trust in the Lord. In verse 4, if you're interested, that's a Hebrew imperative. The first one is a statement of fact that, you know, our minds are at peace because we're trusting God. And then Isaiah says, but wait a minute, in case you missed it, trust in God. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He, he cares for his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. And when we get in trouble, scratch that, when I get in trouble is when I don't have faith in God. I have faith in me or my abilities or my education or my whatever. And it's not, that's not where we have to go. We have to go to trusting in God. Why? He tells us because he is Yah. I love that. It's short for Yahweh. He is the everlasting God. You got it right, Daniel. He is the one true God. There is no God but him. When, when you see that tetragrammaton, that's what it is in Hebrew. It's the all caps, L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh. That's Jehovah. That's the self-existent God who was and is and who will forever be. That's the God that Isaiah is saying, that's who we have to trust. He created our mind. He created our soul. He created our personality. He created all this physical body. And, and if we trust in him and cast our cares upon him, he gives us his peace. So he tells us, trust in him. For he is the, in the Hebrew, that literally is the rock of ages. A good translation would be like the New King James says, he is our everlasting strength. A better translation is Yahweh is the rock of ages. All the battles between good and evil are waged in your mind. You are not going to do anything. You will not do anything. You will not say anything 
unless it is first formulated in your mind. Your mind is the most genius, most complex, created organism, entity in the entire universe. And when your mind is at peace and your mind is at rest, it'll come out. In fact, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Can you think about that for just a minute? As you think in your heart, that's who you are. And Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, it speaks. So think about it like this. The addiction that you cannot break, the habit that you cannot shake, you cannot, as hard as you're trying, you cannot stay connected with God through prayer and Bible study. You can't overcome your temper. It leads you astray every time to violent outbursts. You cannot keep your job. You do not follow through with your work or with your school. You and your spouse argue and you argue a lot and you cannot shake free from this headlock of fear and worry and anxiety. Why? Because you're losing your battle in your mind. But if there is a way that you could capture it and that you could win that war that is raging in your mind, then it will change everything you say and it will change everything you do and it will give you peace. You say, well, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, please tell me, what, what's, the, what's the secret sauce? And, and let, me, let me just say it like this. There are a lot of things that you can do to help your mind. Rest is one of them. Sleep is not overrated. It's a wonderful thing. Who needs sleep? We all need sleep. Uh, diet, exercise, all of those things have a correlation with a, with a healthy mind. Um, I would say biblical counseling is a beautiful thing that you can do with your mind. Some of you, in some extreme cases, you, you, will, need, you, will, need, uh, you will need extensive counseling. You may even need some intense in-house uh, therapy. Some of you uh, would, would take medication. I, I get that. But you know what? And, and I may be wrong, but I believe... Most, if not 95% of the things we struggle with could be handled with a man of God and a woman of God with the Word of God poured into your life. I really believe that. Do you have that? Do you have anybody like that? You know, that's why we put so much emphasis on discipleship here at Great Hills because we, our goal really is to see health, to see people live in a healthy way, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Well, the biblical counselor with the word of God in her hand, in his hand, can do miracles for, for us. You know, it's interesting what Jesus did every time. I see it in the Bible, especially Matthew chapter 4, when the devil came at him and would tempt him in his mind. You can read the temptation narratives in Matthew chapter 4, and the enemy would throw out this, this trigger, this, this temptation. And you say, well, did Jesus really experience that? Look, guys, he was fully God and fully man. And yes, he experienced it. And every time Jesus would respond with, Quote the word of God. 
He quoted the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy, three times. He would say, it is written, Satan, it is written. Listen, devil, it is written, and then he would quote it. But you and I, we can't quote that, which we never read. Guys, I'm so concerned as a pastor, the most neglected book in the church in America today is the Word of God, both publicly in proclamation and personally in our own homes and in our lives. And when we neglect the systematic daily reading and memory of the Word of God, our minds are naked. They are wide open for distraction, for destruction, for temptation, and we will fall. So here's what I do, and here's, praise God, he's helping me, and I'm going to share more and more throughout this. <laughs> the temptation for me today is to share with y'all everything I know. You, you ever got excited, read a book, just want to tell everything you know? And that's, that's really what I want to do, but I can't because I know time is of the essence. But here's, here's what I do. Here's what I've been doing. Here it comes. So, but wait a minute. God, you said you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, is what it says, at all times, because in the Lord, in Yah, is everlasting strength. Do not be anxious for anything, y'all with me? But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, therefore, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Take that, devil. I'm meditating on the good and not the evil and not the bad and not the worry and not the fear and not the discouragement that's going to lead me to depression. I'm going to focus on the Word of God and memorize the Word of God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. No temptation has overtaken you but as such as is common to man. But God, the God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. He said, you, how'd you do that? What, were you reading that? Man, I memorized that. He said, why do you, why do, you do that? To live. To live. I do that because I know my mind and I know my fear and I know my worry and I know my propensity and in my natural man is nothing good but in the word of God he keeps me sane keeps me alive the word of God I want to close with, let's just get started, okay? We are getting started. Very transparent, very vulnerable with you. I've never shared with you how my brother and I were literally beating the crap out of by our own dad. Feces. He said, man, that's awful. You know, that's one of the reasons why I was concerned about having children. Would I do that? 
could I do that? But I want to tell you something. Greater than any pain, any hurt, is the power of Jesus. He changes generations. He breaks curses. He empowers you to be the person he wants you to be. No, I, I, I'm not talking about some psycho babble something other y'all. I'm talking about life and death. If you would believe this and memorize God's word, you say it can't be that simple. I'm telling you. If it was, if it was good enough for Jesus, if that's what Jesus did, it's good enough for us. So let's get started. Number one, recognize you are in a battle. You cannot defeat that which you do not define. You're in a battle, in a battle for your mind. I know all of us struggle with this. Just some of us struggle a lot more, right? Some of my happy-go-lucky folks are going, what? What's going on? Man, I don't ever all worry about anything. I mean, what's messed up with that? I, God bless you. You know, let me hug you. Let me get to know you, you know. But the rest of us, we are, we're in a battle. But all of us have to battle. Your battle may not be discouragement, depression. Your, your battle might be, what is your battle? Whatever it is, it, it begins here. You know, you, nobody clicks something on the internet. They're not supposed to unless they first allow themselves in here. Nobody speaks harsh words and angry words out of here unless they formulate it and let it come in here. So what if we can catch it here? What if we can catch it first here and just watch it transform our tongues and our lives and our actions, our deeds? So number one, let's recognize this is a battle. Number two, let's determine we're not going to be a victim. Release the mindset that says, I've always been this way. I will always be this way. I will never get victory over this. My dad did this. His dad did this. It's just deep. I'm telling you, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets prisoners free. Y'all look at me. Look at me just a minute. I am a living example of the freedom of God, the grace of God, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses that makes new, that empowers you to be the person God wants you to be. I'm telling you, if somebody as jacked up as I was and the stuff that I have dealt with, if God can use me, I promise you, he can use you. Some of you that have experienced far worse than I have, have been violated, hurt. I think my heart just goes out to you. I'm so sorry. That was so wrong. You know, it's so stupid wrong what they did to you. But if you just say, well, it happened and I can't, I can't get through it, you can get through it. I promise you, you can. It, it, it's going to take some time. Maybe you sitting down with Jennifer. Uh, man, let this tear drop off. There we go. I just had to get it off. Thank you, Daniel. God bless your soul. I was just about to talk about you. That's a good time, and you may need to talk to this guy. These, these guys are very gifted in counseling. Um, I'm not a very good uh, a counselor. I'm a lot better than I used to be. 
Because if you're a counselor, you don't need to talk all the time. Thank you. I know. Counselors need to listen. And, and, but you know what? All of our staff, all of our staff, all of our men and women, those 13 people that I will meet with upstairs in the morning or tomorrow afternoon for a few hours, every one of them is qualified and capable to take the Word of God, listen to you, and speak the truth of God to you. I'm so glad we can do that. And some are more gifted at it than others. I get that. And there may be times, and I know there are times, there are extenuating circumstances when you're going to need more than what our team maybe can give you, and that's okay. There's help. Number three, accept the help. Accept it, especially God's help. Accept help. Wow. You accept help, you have to admit there's, a, there's an issue. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. We don't want to admit there's an issue, but everybody around us knows we got issues. And if we'll just admit it and accept God's help, we'll start on the road to freedom. Number four, saturate your mind with the Word of God. Saturate your mind with Scripture. Peace, relief, calm, victory are available through Christ and through his word. Some of you today, I, I want to really encourage you with this. And there's never been a step forward spiritually in your life. And you really, you really need to take this step. It's a step of faith. It's a step of hope. You know, Christianity is not a, a leap in the darkness. It's literally a step in the light. When you, you step into God's light, his light of revelation, of what he says about you. you, you need to know that God loves you. God created you. There is absolutely nobody on this planet quite like you. Isn't that the truth? There's, just, there's nobody. How do you explain that? Well, evolution is mighty creative. That's a bunch of hogwash, right? You're, no, God is, God is mighty creative. He created you. He crafted you. So he, had his, he has a design. He has a desire for peace, for health, for wholeness, for tranquility, for shalom. But you and I, we can't reach it on our own. There's no way. There's no way. The only way that we can get to God and get that peace and get that joy it's what he tells us in his word. And he says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You call out to his name. You say, God, I need help. God, I'm a sinner. I, I'm good at it. I do it. I think it. I've said it. I've tasted it. I've done it. God, help me. Forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, I want to begin a relationship with you. That's, that's the very beginning. That is the first step. But that's not the last step. What you need to do next is after you've received Christ is you need, to, you need to start walking in this word. You need to start reading this. And some of you say, I can't understand it. We can help you understand it. We can get you a Bible translation. I would recommend the New Living Translation. I think it's a very helpful translation. It's easier to read, understand. You'll want to do what this uh, Indian brother did earlier. Praise God. He was bold, went up there. 
and got baptized, identified with God and with God's people. All these things are very, very important. And then you'll want to be discipled. You'll want to have somebody speaking truth into your life and helping you grow and to mature. For the rest of us who know the Lord and are walking with the Lord, I just come alongside you and I, I'm going to do this over the next four or five weeks. We're going to talk about some really interesting things. I, I tell you, this, the whole thing of anxiety, uh, the whole thing about not letting the devil have a seat at your table. <laughs> How about that, Louis Giglio's book? Don't, don't give the devil a seat at your table because he's going to take it every time. And he's going to be a terrible guest. And he's going to give you a bunch of lies and bring you lots of temptation, lots of hurt. Don't let him in. You say, well, how do I keep him out? Through the Word of God. You say, well, if I come every week, am I going to hear kind of like the same sermon over and over that Jesus is the way and the Bible is my answer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's guilty. Guilty as charged. Guilty, guilty. So we'll pray. Let's pray together. And our, our staff, you godly men and women, I cherish you. I love you. I'm grateful to God for you. Never have I been more grateful to God for our pastoral team that loves our church, that love me, that help us. They're going to be up here at the front at the altar. There may be uh, one or two of you that want to begin this series just by coming forward with prayer and just saying, God, this is me. I, I need help in this area. I, I'm, I'm going to ask one of our pastors, one of our ministers, one of our directors, that they just lead me in a quick prayer and just say, okay, we're going to start this thing together. We're going to focus on Jesus, focus on the Word of God. We're going to overcome the discouragement, the anxiety, the fears, the depression, the, the cycle, the vicious, vicious cycle. Men and women, I'm telling you, boys and girls, students, this could change your life. No, this could, this could change your life. It, it could help you avoid so many disasters. You know, I, I think in my 58 years of living, God's kept me alive for this reason. I think I'm supposed to be here. I think I'm supposed to be sharing these truths with you because they work. So our pastors and ministers, y'all just join me. Just, just pray with me right now and just let's just be pouring out our hearts to God before we extend the invitation. Just be praying. Just join me. Just pray, pray, pray. God gives peace. God gives release. God gives victory. God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is fastened on him because you trust in him. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, Yahweh, is the everlasting rock. In just a moment, I want to close this prayer. We'll all stand. Um, we'll sing. Some of you want to come. And, and let, me, let me just share this with you. If you come to the altar and you just pray, I, I really wouldn't care what anybody thinks. I, I, I'm honest. I, I just wouldn't care. I'd just say, God, here I am. I, I need this. I want this. 
and I'm ready. I'm ready to, to start this process of wholeness and healing. So Lord, I'm just praying that you would speak to your people. Some, Lord, uh, are here um, for the very first time and they just need to surrender their life to you. And that would be, that would be step number one, victory number one. And then others of us, Lord, that have known you for decades, years and years. God, this is, could be a rebirth for us, a liberation for us, um, a time where we really are starting to gain traction and victory in our walk with you and victory over our habits and destructive behaviors. And because all of this is just coalesced in our mind, oh God, our minds. Thank you, Lord, that you created us the way you did. It's, you're amazing. And, but God, through the fall of man and sin, our own choices, Lord, we just mess up and we've, we just need your help. So I'm gonna pray now, Jesus, that you would, over these next few minutes, and then over these next several weeks, that victories upon victories would be obtained. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite you, if you would, stand to your feet. Our pastors, ministers are here. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. God bless you now as you come.